Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire lives. Awesome, and welcome everyone else. I hope you all have been having just a wonderful day. Um, like Tim said, my name is Jane, and I am with Prison Fellowship. Um, and bear with me, I am I have a cold, I'm so congested, I just moved today, so I am just discombobulated, but I am so blessed to be with you all here today and so excited to walk through this workshop with you all. Um, if you all wouldn't mind to start, I'd love to see where some of you are joining us from. Like Tim said, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, would love to know where everyone else is joining from. If you would drop that in the chat, I would absolutely love to, to read some of those. Um, but as the title of this presentation says, um, today we are going to be learning about the injustices that individuals who are incarcerated or formerly incarcerated face, as well as how to respond as Christians. Um, so as we know, all people are created in God's image, and no life is beyond God's reach. So we must take a stand for advancing justice that restores. Um, so I think we will just really have a blessed time together, and I'm reading through some of the responses. Pittsburgh, uh, we got an Ohio, Washington, Pennsylvania. Wow, Detroit, wonderful. My goodness, thank you all for answering that. So good to have you all. Um, and as questions arise, feel free to put them in the chat. I am also going to leave some time at the end of the presentation for Q&A. Um, but if anything pops up in your mind and you don't want to lose it, feel free to drop it in the, the chat as well. So we'll go ahead here and get started. Maybe. There we go. Okay. So a quick introduction to Prison Fellowship for those who may not be aware. So Prison Fellowship is the nation's largest Christian nonprofit serving individuals who are incarcerated, formerly incarcerated, as well as their families. Um, and as a leading advocate for criminal justice reform, we are established on the belief that all people are created in God's image and no life is beyond his reach, like, like I said a little bit earlier. Um, so we take a restorative approach to crime and incarceration. Uh, we were also founded in 1976 by Charles Colson. Some of you may recognize that name. Um, he served several months in a federal prison for a Watergate-related crime. But fast-forwarding to today, Prison Fellowship strives to make prison safer, more rehabilitative, advance criminal justice reform, and support those affected by crime and incarceration by four key things. So you'll see it on the screen here. What we do is train, care, equip, and advocate. So the first one, train. We train volunteers to minister to people in prison. The second one is care, caring to um, families of the incarcerated by our Angel Tree program, and also caring for individuals who are incarcerated. Um, so not just the families, but also the communities and the individual. We equip, we equip correctional leaders to make prisons more rehabilitative. Um, and last but not least, we advocate. We advocate for a more restorative criminal justice system. So those are the four, th four things that Prison Fellowship does. We kind of just put those in the, those four buckets here just to make it a little bit more understandable for people because prison fellowship kind of is a big boat. Um, moving forward. So a little bit more about our approach, justice that restores. You'll hear that 
that sentence or that phrase come up quite a few times during this workshop. Um, so for the third time now, this will be another thing that you hear. We are all created in God's image. So we respect the inherent birth and dignity of one another and those that we serve. We promote three different reform issue areas. Um, that's prison fellowship. So three different buckets that we kind of pour into in regard to criminal justice reform. These are, and this is the last bullet point for those wondering, proportional punishment, constructive corrections culture, and closure for those responsible for crime. So kind of a whole, if you just read that sentence, it gets a little bit confusing, but to break that down a little bit, the first one here, proportional punishment. What that will look like is making sure that the time and the crime are fair, that the sentence fits the crime. Um, sometimes we see individuals in the criminal justice system receive really long, lengthy sentences for maybe first-time drug offenses, something of that nature. So we just want to make sure that the time and the crime are proportional. The second one is constructive corrections culture. What this looks like is making sure that individuals who are incarcerated have access to programmings, access to resources, and most importantly, a safe and healthy living environment. So I don't know if any of you all have either been incarcerated or uh, maybe visited a prison, but it can be a dark, lonely, hopeless place. So Prison Fellowship is really passionate about bringing that aspect of hope to the prison doors. Um, and that's a little bit about what that constructive corrections culture piece looks like. The third one is closure and second chances. So what that looks like is removing the barriers that individuals face after a period of incarceration. Uh, so once you have that criminal record, it can be really difficult in today's day and age to have access to housing, access to jobs, and sometimes even education. There are so many different hoops that an individual has to jump through in order to receive that second chance. So we're really passionate about removing a lot of those barriers so that once an individual has completed their sentence, is released from prison, they're able to move on um, as a productive member of society. Um, so moving forward here, over-incarceration in America. So let's take a little bit deeper look at the problem. And we're going to do a fun polling exercise. So it'll pop up with some questions on the screen. Go ahead and drop what you think the answer is to the question in the chat. Um, and we'll just, no, no worries if you have no idea. A, B, C, D, whatever you think is, um, whatever you think is correct, drop it in. No judgment whatsoever. Um, but just kind of fun to run through these. So the first one here, how many American adults have a criminal record? A, one in three, B, one in five, C, one in seven, or D, one in 10? And like I said, go ahead and drop whatever you think in the chat. We'll see what we got here. Okay, so we got C, C, one in seven, B, one in five, one in five. Great. Okay. So kind of in between maybe B and C, one in five, one in seven. Awesome. Thank you guys for your responses. So moving forward, we will see that actually it is A, one in three, which I know is very mind boggling. 
um, one in three individuals actually have a criminal record. So this really goes to show that within our churches, within our communities, there are people who have a criminal record or know somebody who has a criminal record. So pointing out the importance that we learn about this issue, the scope of the issue, and how we as Christians can respond to this issue. Um, So hopefully that helps you kind of grasp how many people actually do have a criminal record. This next one here, what percentage of federal prisoners are held on drug offenses? We have 40%, 50 50%, 60%, or 70%. Same thing, if you want to drop your answers in the chat, D, D, B, D. Okay, so we're saying 70. Yeah. Okay. So mostly 70%. This one is actually 50, um, which... I probably would have said the same thing, 70%, because we incarcerate so many people with um, drug offenses. But even half of the prison population right now is incarcerated for drugs, um, which is, again, just a mind-boggling number. And we'll kind of touch base on this a little bit later. Next one, we've got two more. So how many legal barriers to reentry are there for those with a criminal conviction? So this is what I discussed a little bit earlier. So what I mean by legal barriers to reentry is access to resources, access to um, housing, jobs, education. So when I spoke of someone who has a criminal record, once they reenter, how many how many hoops do they have to jump through in order to become a productive member of society? So do we think it's less than a thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand? or more than 40,000. Any ideas? Okay, C, C, B. Okay, C, B. Good guesses, yeah. Okay, so somewhere it looks like we're all in the ballpark of around 20 to 30,000. Wonderful. Um, Okay, so the answer actually is more than 40,000. There are actually 44,000 collateral consequences for individuals with a criminal record. So again, housing, jobs, education, so many different ones. I can't even name them all. So we'd be here probably all week. Um, So like I said, Prison Fellowship's really passionate about removing some of those. Because once an individual comes out of prison, and if they can't find housing, if they can't find a job, Usually that cycle is going to continue with the frustration and the hopelessness. Um, And that's why it's so important for the church to take a stand as well. And last but not least, oh, that was the last one. Just kidding. So a little bit more about the scope of the problem. Today, there are nearly 2.1 million men and women behind bars in the United States. This um, has increased over the past 40 years. Recently, it is on a decline, which we'll touch base a little bit about later. Um, But 2.1 million men and women behind bars in the United States. So just just a quick statistic for you to to ponder. Um, 1.5 million or 1 in 49 American children currently have an incarcerated parent. So when we think about our school system, when we think about 
um, you know, maybe daycare or the church and the children that we serve, some of the kiddos may have an incarcerated parent. Um, so really being mindful of that and um, thinking about ways that we can best serve those. Okay, so the U.S. has about 4% of the world's population, but almost 20% of the world's prison population. Um, and I'm sure some of you have maybe heard this statistic before, but in other words, U.S. has 4% of the world's total population, but in regard to prison, 20% of that. So again, we, we incarcerate more than any other country in the world by a lot. <laughs> so we definitely have an issue with over-incarceration. <clears throat> so now that we've seen a little bit more of the scope of the problem, um, we're going to kind of ponder, is this the solution? Is over-incarceration and over-criminalization the solution? Um, so research suggests that only 25% of the decrease that I mentioned earlier um, is in violent crime specifically is due to incarceration. So other factors, which you'll see on this screen here, such as growing economy, drug market changes, aging population, strategic policing, community responses to crime have been found to be significant contributing factors to the crime rate decline, showing us that incarceration does not in fact lead to a decrease in crime. Um, and that last piece there, community engagement, is where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time today. Um, so let's really consider the role of the church and maybe come up with some ideas in your own head as well. And after this, spend some time in prayer asking the Lord, you know, how can you, how can you be used in this issue? Um, so really considering the role of the church to respond to crime and incarceration. Uh, but before diving into some practical resources, um, I want to go through some st statistics regarding the church and the Christian population um, and criminal justice issues as a whole. So, like I said, just some Christian perspectives on criminal justice. Um, so as the nation's largest Christian nonprofit serving individuals um, who are incarcerated as well as their families and a leading voice on criminal justice reform, Prison Fellowship has a vested interest in tracking key attitudes regarding incarceration and justice among Christians as compared to the general American public. Um, so Prison Fellowship first commissioned Barna, which is the report we're going to go through right now, to survey questions in 2017. Um, and we've asked the same questions this year, along with a few new questions. And there wasn't statistically significant changes in these first few years of polling. Um, but our plan is to continue to survey these questions over 10 years so that we can track cultural shifts among Christian Americans. So this first one here, across the board, evangelicals and practicing Christians agreed either strongly or somewhat that it is important to care for prisoners based on their faith values as compared to the general public. Um, so in other words, practicing Christians agreed that caring for prisoners is important because of their values. So that's a really positive statistic. This next one here. 
Consistent with prison fellowships approach, the vast majority of Americans agree the goal of the justice system should be restoration for all involved in a crime, the victim, the impacted community, as well as the person who committed the crime. Um, and more than one third of Americans strongly agreeing with that statement. Practicing Christians and evangelicals are significantly more likely to strongly agree with this restorative approach to the justice system. So again, another really positive statistic. Um, although, <laughs> not to be a mood killer here, we will kind of see in these next couple of slides that the general concept of restoration and providing punishment that fits the crime is not always reflected in the Christian community. So in this next chart here, um, across the board, Americans and Christians are split concerning whether it is appropriate to punish certain crimes more harshly than the crime deserves in order to make an example out of the defendant. Last but not least, this final chart here, 82% of practicing Christians agree that the church should support criminal justice reforms that provide prisoners a second chance to become successful. Contributing members of society moving forward with their life after a period of incarceration, like I discussed. Yet, only one in five practicing Christians said that their church was raising awareness about criminal justice. So, in fact, we actually provided a list of topics like homelessness, domestic violence, the sanctity of life, a few other social justice type issues, and criminal justice was the lowest ranked issue that was discussed within the church. So while the previous church said, said it is a value of Christians, our, the church still isn't necessarily knowing maybe what to do with that passion or that value of theirs. So let's figure out what to do with it. Some practice, practical advocacy ideas. Um, I'm going to go through some for you as individuals, as well as some that you can do on your campuses or your churches. Um, but these, can, these range from really small action items to bigger ones that you'd be able to do. So like I said, kind of pray into these, even as I'm speaking, um, hear the Lord's, you know, press into one or whatever that may look like for you. Some individual actions. First one, change your language. So this can be a really, really simple one to do. Labels are powerful. So try not to separate people into us and them. Words such as felon, convict, ex-offender, inmate, um, but instead changing that to more restorative language to reflect human dignity. Like I said, we're all made in God's image. So using words such as people in prison, returning neighbors, those impacted by crime and incarceration, or formerly incarcerated men and women. So that way we're putting that people person, people person, people first language first. Um, that can be a really small change in our language that can be extremely powerful. The second one, spread the word. So sometimes people are just simply not aware of the criminal justice system and the change that needs to happen. So join us, follow us on Twitter, um, join our grassroots network, which you will see in um, that second bullet point. So if any of you want to take a quick picture of that or do what you need to do, I'd love for you to sign up for our grassroots network. What this looks like is 
you will receive what we call advocacy alerts to send your elected officials letters to advance key criminal justice reform. Um, so say you're in, I'm in the state of Iowa, I may get a letter to petition Senator Chuck Grassley about a criminal justice issue, and I'd be able to send that to him really quick. So we make a really tangible, easy way for you to do that. Um, also, follow your elected officials and vote. Vote in every election. That can be such a small task, uh, but if you're able to, vote. Um, can really make a huge difference in telling your story. So as we know, one in three people have a criminal record. That means maybe some of you on this call have a criminal record or you know somebody with a criminal record. If you feel comfortable, telling your story um, can be really, really, really impactful. So those are some, some minor ones you could do. Third, becoming a justice ambassador. And this is really my role within Prison Fellowship. So as Tim said at the beginning, I am a justice ambassador specialist. So I have the absolute blessing of working with volunteers across the nation to do all of the things listed on the screen. So hosting awareness building events, sharing action op opportunities, leading outrageous justice, which I'm going to explain here in just one minute, um, developing relations with policymakers, so many different things that our volunteers do. And like I said, just such a blessing being able to see people's faith and values lived out in their communities as well as their churches. Um, so the link there to apply um, is right there at the bottom. So same thing if you want to take a picture of it or um, whatever that may look like for you. I would love to discuss that opportunity further with any of you who may feel called to that. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, you can drop both of them in the chat for everybody as well, just in case the links to those things you mentioned, they are in the chat as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. That is so helpful. That's great. Um, some, some campus resources for you all. Um, campus slash church resources. Hey, first one, Outrageous Justice. Just mentioned this one. One of my favorite favorite activities. So Outrageous Justice is a six-week study that looks at the criminal justice system through a biblical lens. So what I did in my personal life, I went through this study, just me personally, and then I actually took it to my church and I led a small group and it was such a blessing. Um, I learned someone that I was in church with, had a mom who was incarcerated. So we were able to pray for one another in that capacity. And these copies are completely free. You can go online, order 50. You can order as many as you want. Um, but a really good tangible way for you to continue learning about the issue as well as spreading it within your church. This could be one too that you take to your college campus. Do it with a small group of friends. Um, so many fun ways to tangibly take this and live it out, like I said. So again, the link's at the bottom. Tim, maybe you'll drop that one in too. That would be awesome. But like I said, all copies are free, comes with DVDs, comes with real life stories of individuals who have lived the, the criminal justice system. Um, and so, like I said, just really highly recommend ordering the free copy. It's free, so why not? <laughs> um, Moving on, second chance month. So we talked a lot today about reentry and the barriers that individuals face um, once they 
move on from a period of incarceration. So Prison Fellowship has spearheaded a nationwide effort called Second Chance Month. They started this in 2017 to raise awareness of the barriers, which are around 44,000, like we talked about, um, all of those barriers that are faced by returning citizens, and to unlock second chances for these men and women who dream of a better tomorrow. Um, by raising awareness about the challenges men and women face as they seek health care, housing, employment, it has really sparked a lifetime commitment for change. Therefore, Prison Fellowship partners with nearly 600 organizations, congregations, businesses, colleges um, as official Second Chance Month partners. And our partners work together to open brighter futures for approximately 70 million Americans who have paid their debt to society. And there are so many ways that our partners engage for Second Chance Month, prayer walks, hosting film screenings, doing outrageous justice together, praying with those who are incarcerated, visiting individuals in prison. Um, my dad, for example, owns a small business. He is a Second Chance Month partner and hires individuals with criminal records. So extending that second chance, that is so important. Um, those are just a few tangible ways to extend that second chance to someone. Um, so again, another link on there for you to kind of browse around about Second Chance Month, which is in the month of April. I don't remember if I mentioned that. So it is right around the corner. Um, okay. And A New Day One. This is another one of my favorites. A New Day One is a documentary that Prison Fellowship recently produced. Uh, it goes through the lives of the three individuals you see on the screen and their journey to re-enter society, the challenges they go through, the successes that they have. Um, so really brings to life that re-entry process and the churches need to kind of stand up. So um, a lot of people will watch this film by themselves and then gather with a group of friends. And we, it also comes with a discussion guide. Um, so your church could host the film screening and then um, go through the discussion guide that way, um, or your friends could gather in a dorm room, whatever that may look like for you. But again, just another really good um, raising awareness tool. And I'm so sorry, there's some background background noise movers just got here. So bear with me. Um, hey, and that is really all I have for you guys. Um, I know we went through a lot of that very quickly. So just to kind of recap, we went through Prison Fellowship, Prison Fellowship's role, um, kind of our approach, that restorative approach to justice, how we train, care, equip, and advocate. Um, the three bucket areas in which we advocate for, proportional punishment, constructive corrections culture, and second chances, and then some practical ways for you all to get involved. That may look like signing up for our emails. It may look like um, hosting a film screening, going through outrageous justice, telling your own story. Um, but I'd love to open up the floor and hear from you guys. What questions do you have for me? Um, and I'll go through the chat here too and just make sure I didn't miss anything. Can you clarify when you say there are 44,000 barriers to like re-entry into society? What it like, how do you define a barrier? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So a barrier would look like anything that 
an individual who trying to get the best way to word this. So if you don't have a criminal record, you don't necessarily have to jump through all of the hoops. So when we say we'll use housing, for example, individuals with a criminal record oftentimes cannot rent from certain landlords. Buying a house makes it a lot harder. Um, Lots more background checks. Um, Jobs is a lot tougher, obviously. Um, So I guess when I say barrier, anything that may take an extra step or an extra um, just kind of hoop to get over. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I know that number is just astonishing, um, but it really just comes down to all the little things that individuals who don't have criminal records may take advantage of in a way and to no fault of their own, not, not in a harsh way. Um, but individuals with that criminal record, the smallest of things can become extremely hard tasks. Great question. What other questions do we have? Could you talk about the death penalty as a part of proportional punishment and being pro-life? Yeah, that's a great question. So the fellowship does not take an active stance on the death penalty. Um, and I wish I had the link pulled up. I could drop it. If you go on prison fellowships um, website and kind of browse around a little bit, there will be a section where we talk about the death penalty um, and the both sides of it. So the pros, the death penalty, the cons of the death penalty and pull scripture about why prison fellowship doesn't necessarily have a stance um, so that is really all I can say about that as prison fellowship does not take, take a stance on the death penalty. Like I said, I would just encourage you to browse around the website. Um, and I can see if I can pull it up right now to drop in the chat, um, to look through why that is. That's a really, really good question. Now that is one I get very often. Okay. I think I found it. I'm going to drop it in here for you, Riley. Jane, while you're dropping it in there, uh, would you mind putting your name and email contact in there as well in case anyone else wanted to follow up even after this? I know, like me, I tend to have questions after because you're thinking and pondering on it. So it'd be great if we could have that as well. Absolutely. Yes. We did kind of run through a lot quickly. So any questions you have, whether it be about um, ways to volunteer, ways to engage your church, um, questions about like Riley's question, stances that prison fellowships hold, um, anything at all, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Let me put that in before I forget. And I just keep blabbing away here. Okay. I have a question. I know I'm the host, but hopefully that's okay. Um, what, uh, what work does Prison Fellowship do with the education system and partnering with local colleges and universities to provide restorative justice on terms of actually getting a degree for some of them is a huge step to be able to go back into the workforce and even be eligible for a job because they need a bachelor's degree or something like that. So, Yeah, that's a great question. So one of 
our policy areas of focus. So me specifically, I work on the advocacy team. So a lot of policy. Um, Occupational licensing is something we work extremely hard at. So what that looks like is basically what you said, Tim, making sure individuals who have a criminal record can still go on after their incarceration and become whatever that may look like for them. Real estate agents. I have a volunteer who um, she was incarcerated in the state of Louisiana for one year, I think, not too long, but still obviously a long time. When it came out, has been um, in society for about three, four, five years now. Um, went to get her real estate license and, and was denied. That is something where we don't take individual cases, but Prison Fellowship works really, really hard on occupational licensing in all 50 states. Um, in regards to college campuses, a lot of my justice ambassadors, so that was the volunteer opportunity I talked about somewhere in the middle where they have the opportunity to do more of those cultural changing activities. Um, a lot of my justice ambassadors, a good majority of them, yeah, are on college campuses and use their voice to raise awareness as well as advocate for different policies that Prison Fellowship stands behind. So those occupational licensing ones that I talked about. Um, does that answer your question? I want to make sure I understood. I think so. Uh, maybe you and I could chat afterwards. Uh, my father-in-law works in prison education system. So I'm really intrigued. I want to connect more um, and ask some other questions. So maybe afterwards we can chat offline. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Feel free to shoot me a note or yeah. What other questions or comments? Anything at all? Has anybody here heard of Prison Fellowship before today? Tim, awesome. Riley, no. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Riley. That is awesome. One thing that I do want to touch on, I didn't get to it much in the presentation, is the Prison Fellowship Academy. Um, so Prison Fellowship actually goes into select prisons across the nation, and we have a goal to be in all 50 states by 2024, I believe, which is, my goodness, right around the corner. So volunteers will go into prisons and teach biblically-based classes to individuals who are incarcerated. So if you like more of that hands-on work, a really, really good opportunity. Um, like I said, the Justice Ambassador programs, more advocacy. So hosting events, raising awareness in that capacity. Um, but the Academy is an also another really good example of tangibly visiting people in prison like we're called to do um, and teaching those classes, which can be such a great opportunity. What else do you guys have? Anything? Do you guys all feel like you learned something today? Thumbs up. Awesome. 
Well, yes, I dropped my contact information in the chat. It is just Jane underscore Collins at pfm.org. Please feel free to email me anytime, even if it's just a prayer request. I love, love getting prayer requests if I can lift you up in any way. Um, but thank you all so much for joining and being responsive to my polling questions. Sometimes it's so awkward when I get silent. So I appreciate your participation. Um, and I pray today was a blessing to all of you. Um, and continue to be in prayer on where the Lord may be leading you in this area. I know for me, it was something that I had no idea I was going to get into, but like Tim said, for my, my bio from a very early age, I just felt this call. Um, and I'm so glad that I followed it because it has led me to really great places. So just be in prayer where that might lead you, but I appreciate all of you for, for joining. And I hope you guys all have a great rest of your day.